eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, everybody. It's Weekend Recap. I'm Kego Lasso, Michael LaHood in the house. LME here. We'll be talking Derby d'Italia, of course, a Barcelona-Sevilla matchup. We'll talk about the teams that are playing in the quarterfinals of the Champions League and give you all that goodness, as well as what happened in Serie A and much, much more. Kigo Lasso, Weekend Recap begins right now. All right, everybody. Michael LaHood's in the house. Michael, how are you, buddy? Uh, I am excited. I know in last week I said I was tired because of the CAF World Cup qualifiers. I got my boost with my Pepsi boost. Hopefully that's not against sponsorship. Shout out to you. <laughs> hey, hopefully we get some free Pepsi, Michael. Mm, I'll, I'll take, it. I'll take it. it. But it's good to get that energy boost. Uh, I have that boost. Welcome, everybody, to our live Gigo Lasso Weekend Rika, Michael Hood, LME. Of course, as I mentioned in the intro, like and subscribe this video. Send your questions, okay? Send them. We're going to begin with Darby Italia. If you're a Juventus fan, how do you feel about this loss? Inter Milan, do you feel that you got away with one? Uh, Barcelona fans, I want to hear from you as well. And of course, Liverpool, Man City race, and so much more. So let's begin, Michael, as we discussed in the intro in Italy. As Inter win one nothing, Chesney had a fourth penalty save, uh, but it was counted out for nothing because the ref called it back for the uh, penalty to be retaken. Uh, Chinaglu scored it. By the way, that first half was manic. It had about fifteen fouls, five yellow cards. It was a typical <laughs> Juventus Inter game. And then in the second half, Juventus, I believe, I think played better overall, but they just couldn't get that win. An Inter Milan win, a very important victory in Serie A. How'd you see the game, buddy? I thought it was very similar to the one that Juve lost in the Champions League, where they had so much possession, they pinned Inter Milan in their end, but just the lack of quality. When you have Alvaro Morata playing left wing, that's not a good sign. You have one of your leading goal scorers on the team. You can't play two strikers. I think two strikers would have been the better option to play. If you're going to play, bring him off the bench, do that. You got to go either him and Vlahovic or Vlahovic and Dabala. They tried to fit all their attacking pieces on the field, and it, it it created chances, but just not enough quality in the final third. And in transition, I thought Inter did the job. They played just masterful in terms of game management, and Juve played into their hands more than anything. And late in the match, you just saw that Everything was just being forced wide. Inter, they were putting out the cigarettes, as most Italian do, and just put the buds out and then get on the bus with the three points. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do want to, I hope, oh, well, here's some stats, by the way. Thank you, Des Norris. Look at just the overwhelming amount of shots that Juventus had in this game. Obviously, more possession. 19 fouls from Inter Milan's side, of course. Uh, more corners for Juve. But in the end, it's that final stat at the bottom that counts the most. And Inter Milan win it one nothing. I was very Impressed and happy, by the way, Michael, with that slow motion of uh, Massimiliano Allegri removing his jacket, just being so angry, obviously, at uh, that penalty having to be retaken and everything that was happening there. Obviously, very angry with it. Um, here's a question. I didn't think, it was, you know, penalty aside, mm. the ref uh, didn't have his best game, I think. Uh, I mean, in, in a way, yes, I think because it's such a contentious uh, Darby, of course, but there were moments I felt where even VAR failed VAR. How do you see it? This is the drama of this Darby. And to be a referee, yeah. there's an honor in refing a match of this magnitude. But also, oh, man, the nerves of steel you have to have because you have the Juventus fans whistling, Juve trying to sell every possible possible free kick penalty kick, whatever they could do, win at all costs. And really, this was a Juventus team that was desperate. The crowd was desperate. The team was desperate. Manager was desperate. Showed in the lineup he put out. And for Inter, when we go back to the penalty kick, it was a Juventus player that, that had the encroachment. Yeah, had the lift, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> if anything, the referee did him a favor by calling the penalty because the goal was bundled in regardless. So Inter... They scored, whether it was the first time or the second time, I think no, it was correct. I feel like the, the advantage should have just happened to Inter Milan and they yeah. should have just gone the goal. Who cares? Kind of like yeah. when, uh, the, you know, the ref says play on and a foul that really advantages the position of the team that was fouled on anyway. It was weird. But yeah, carry on. I, would ju I just thought it was weird that yeah, De Ligt was the one that approached, right? Because the ref was, he yeah. was right in front of the ref and, and he saw De Ligt enter <laughs> the box before anybody. But to your point, you know, it didn't matter because Inter had scored it regardless. And what I liked about the way Inter approached this match, a player who will not make the headlines, but I think if you look at the stats, covered so much ground, Ivan Perisic. Mm -hmm. Team tackling is what comes to mind with Inter Milan, and they bullied this Juventus team as the game went on. I thought for a split second when Zakaria came onto the field, he had a massive impact off the bench for Juventus, bringing athleticism, bringing size, and that shot he had that hit the post. Mamma mia, what a hit. Ooh, I, like, just, I like the way you said that, buddy. Mamma uh, mia, what a hit. I hope we're not stereotyping too much. It's fine. No, and they no, say well, it anyway. The, the hands, the hands, the hands, the hands, the hands. Mauricio Casillas uh, did comment on that as well, uh, as Michael was saying. Uh, had that gone in, maybe it would have changed a few things. I thought Dusan Vlaovic also had a glorious chance on yep. that sort of half turn inside the box, and he just went wide. Usually, those from Vlaovic, Michael, go in. I wonder if the moment was too big for him. It's a bit... Weird to say that of Dusan Vlaovic, but we have to remember he's still a young player. It's still a new team and his first ever Derby d'Italia. So maybe that was something that was in his head. Do you think the, the, the uh, you know, scenario, the environment, the atmosphere overwhelmed it a little bit for him? I think possibly, but I think he's trying to do too much on that finish. I know exactly the chance you're talking about in the second half. It just does wonders to check going to his left, and then cuts it back to his right foot. And I think he's trying to pick the top corner too much. Sometimes going for power in these type of matches just laces. Yeah. Get it out of your feet. Just Don't Alan Shearer, just smash it. Yeah. Oh, hey, the, the guy did well. 200-plus goals. I think mean, he knows what he's doing. Sometimes he just right. booted it. <laughs> exactly. Toe poke. Would, and even a toe poke would have been the best possible scenario 
on yeah, that just goal bottom left bottom right or just smash it but yeah, i think but, he but, tried to curl her outside the keeper and it just didn't work yeah but what, what was more worrying for me is is the play of paulo dybala looked a very frustrated figure and a motivated Dybala, I think the contract situation, that's a distraction for him, and rightfully so. When you're a player, you want to feel appreciated. You don't want that hanging in the air. And in these type of big games, that player is a difference maker. Paulo Dybala, he's been a difference maker for them for so many years. That's why they have the nine Serie A titles in a row, and it looks like it's going to be a Rivaderci for that 10th one. Well, you know what? It's a massive win for Inter. Now they remain unbeaten in both the seasonal City A meetings against Juventus for the first time since 2008-2009 campaign, winning their first away top flight match against Bianconetti uh, since November 2012. For Juventus, well, they've picked up the fewest points in the matches among the first four teams, by the way. Uh, zero wins, four draws, and two losses. Currently in the City A standings, it's not good. And obviously behind, still scraping, still holding on to that Champions League spot. Inter have now won their first away match in Serie A in 2022 after four draws in a row. So that's another thing that really helps them out. But that's the table. AC Milan, Napoli, Inter, Juventus, uh, Roma just scraping on fifth. But it's a big win for Inter as they have 63 points. But Milan play Bologna on Monday. So if Milan win, they'll be able to have a bigger cushion, of course. But it's still very tight, Michael Lahoud, as we just little, just uh, for a little bit here, just discuss Atalanta as they lose 3-1 to Napoli. And Gasparini side slice to seventh, but it's a big win for Napoli, of course, as they're top over there. Thoughts on that one? I thought it was seeing Lorenzo Insigne of old gets the penalty kick goal and gets an assist on the Politano finish and mm. that's they're, they're going to need a good insignia i know he's got the, the business done his move to mls is secured and that can be such a distraction for a player but he is from naples he is from napoli through and through and he's the captain of that team and for atalanta i think the the fact that they have european football this coming thursday that can be where do you put your priorities and i, I think knowing are they in the title race nah not not at all really and they're pushing for that fourth, fifth spot. I think all their chips are going to have to be put towards Europe because they have, they have a golden opportunity come this Thursday if they get it right. Yeah, and it will be an interesting one to watch, of course, as European action returns during the week, which, by the way, you can watch on CBS Sports and Paramount+. Plus. By the way, Atalanta in that game is similar to Juve. They're Michael. They had 19 shots to Napoli, six, uh, although Napoli had more on target. Uh, so Atalanta were trying to knock at the door, but they were all over the door. They really couldn't get it done. But in the end, Napoli win it. And it's a big one, as I mentioned. Uh, by the way, they've scored. Napoli have scored eight penalties in a single Serie A campaign for the first time since the return to the top flight. Uh, they've taken the most penalties in the big five European leagues this season. So, you know, from an insignia perspective, that's good. But for the first time in Serie A, Napoli have scored at least two goals in four games in a row against Atalanta, but as Michael mentioned, Atalanta have some things to think about regarding Europe, of course. All right, any final thoughts, Desnoris? Let's throw that table again from Serie A because it is a very highly contested race. Mm. AC Milan still have to play Bologna on Monday. Napoli, Inter, Milan, Juventus, Roma on 54 points, Lazio 52. Anything regarding that table? Has anything changed your mind in terms of the title race there, Michael? Mm -hmm. I know that AC Milan still have to play, but uh, I'll play devil's advocate here. If Milan doesn't win, mm. if Milan doesn't win, how much more interesting does it become for you now? 
there's a part of me that hopes Milan doesn't win because I love the drama, especially in a league that's been begging and, and just screaming for more competition in Serie A for the last couple of seasons. And now you're getting it. I think this is going to go down to the wire. Even if Milan win, Serie A needs this and all of these teams needs this because the world needs to pay attention. That Italian football could very well be back. But I want to go down a couple places in the table. Okay. The fifth spot. All right. Roma. That's a Roma. There's, there's a bit of Mourinho magic happening in the Italian capital, and I want to make a bold prediction. All right. Well, they won one nothing today against Sampdoria, by the way. Uh, Mkhitaryan yeah. in the 27th minute. Uh, so it's a big win for them. But go ahead. Give me your prediction. My prediction is that Juventus, since that Villarreal loss, they are going to slide. And it's going to be AS Roma, a bit of Mourinho magic, that's going to pip them to fourth place. Wow. That win, that Derby win against Lazio, you see a new belief and renewed belief in this Roma team. Tammy Abraham cannot stop scoring goals, although he didn't score today. But they found a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net. And that Derby match against Lazio, it seems like it's brought the team together. And they're also competing in the Conference League for a potential European trophy. That's right. That's on Thursday against uh, Bodo Glimt as well. They'll be playing on Thursday. And after that, if, um, you know, Michael's predictions do come true, they have a home game against Salernitana, a very doable game in between that Conference League matchup. But then it's Napoli, away at Napoli there, Michael. That's a big game. And guess what? After that, it's Inter, away at Inter as well. And then they'll host Bologna, Fiorentina, home to Venezia, then Torino. So if they can get through, from that inter-Napoli little nightmare roller coaster, maybe your uh, prediction might come true, my friend. It's going to be kind of amazing. I'm sure that our Juventini friends are not going to be happy. So, Christine Cooper, we apologize if uh, if you're watching this. But it wouldn't that be something, huh? If Roma get uh, Champions yeah. League spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, part, part of it, part of me wants to just make that prediction for the headlines just in case it does happen, just to be like, ah, I told you so. But But really, momentum is everything at this point in the season. And yeah. when you have a Derby win like that, and not just a, a, a Derby for a big match in your league, but a, just a, a true Derby for your city, like they had against Lazio and the, the fashion that they did that, it's everything to build momentum at the right time of the season. Well, to Michael's point, everybody, here's a little call to action for everybody. What will your top four finish look like in Italy? What will your top four look like in Italy? I want the one, two, three, four, first, second, third, fourth. What do you think? Do you think Michael's right? Will Roma and Jose Mourinho be able to overthrow Juventus from that fourth spot? Wouldn't that be something, huh? No Champions League for Juventus next year. That would be kind of incredible to think of a team like that with no champions but we've seen crazier things happen of course but we want to know what's your top four in italy well let's ask you right now michael what do you say then you think it's going to happen roma will take that four spot but what do you have in your top four i think it's going to stay as is i i, I take it back i think it's going to be milan's going to win the league that milan's going to win the league yeah i think that win against inter in the Derby match, that was just such a psychological boost for them. And yeah. now it's really about managing each game and just making sure you do enough and really do what the game requires to get the results and get the three points from here on out. I think Inter is going to come second, and I think Napoli is going to come third. And Mo, Mourinho, if I ever meet you on this show, which I'm going to put it out there in the universe, you heard it here first. I picked you to finish fourth. Remember me.
Well, I think he owes us because, you know, he's already talked to Marco Messina as part of our Paramount Plus coverage, by the way. Make sure you check that out. Great interview. But if he comes over and Tommy Abraham, come on, man. You remember your Villa days. Don't forget how you did what you did. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm just going to spice it up, Michael. I'm going to go with Napoli winning this. Let's give Lorenzo Insigne. The son of Napoli. Let's give him a Scudetto before he goes to snowy Toronto. I want that romanticism. I want that city to win it again. I mean, everybody remembers, of course, the Maradona days. I want to see that team uh, reclaim it. Uh, so I, I did say, though, at the beginning of the season, and I stuck to my guns all the way through, that AC Milan will take it. But the romantic side of me wants to see Napoli. Whether that happens or not, we will wait and see. But we've already gotten comments from everybody uh, regarding your top four. Thank you so much for that. All right, let's move on, everybody, from Italy. Let's do a little fun here. As we mentioned, Champions League mm. returns this week. I love it, baby. It's a quarterfinals, Michael LaHood. This is when it gets really interesting. We've got a full-on preview coming later this week. In fact, as early as tomorrow, so don't worry about that. But what we like to do here on Keo Lasso as part of our weekend recap is we like to give you the Champions League report. So, Michael, who are you going to give us a little bit of thinking regarding these teams and how they did? And I think today we will focus on grading the big ones, the favorites. Uh, and if you want to grade the other one, that's fine. If you've watched it or not, depending on how much you've watched. For example, we're going to talk about Benfica, of course. But if you saw more of Liverpool, you're going to give me a grade on how they did this weekend, right? From like an A plus to a C minus. Let's begin uh, with Benfica against Liverpool. That's the Tuesday game. It was a demoralizing defeat to Braga. To Braga. Uh, Benfica scored twice to make it 2-0. So they just managed to get a draw again. But then they conceded and it ended 3-2. Uh, it finished in that one. But Liverpool took care of business against Watford. Um, obviously, there were some tired legs because a lot of players were playing in international competition. But that didn't matter by all because Diogo Jota... I don't know, the smallest man who has the <laughs> greatest vertical. He such a great finisher of the world. And Liverpool take care of business against Watford. So uh, give me give me some grades on that one. Perhaps uh, not sure how much you watch Benfica, but Liverpool, as they enter, as they enter this game against Benfica. I'm going to give Liverpool a solid A, not only because of Champions League implications, but because of the bigger picture also, the Premier League. They've put the pressure square on Manchester City. They're doing the business. And to have that many players playing in big matches, Diego Jota playing for Portugal and coming up with the all-important goal to take the pressure off of Liverpool is incredible. Saidu Mane coming off the bench. A few weeks ago against Arsenal, we saw Mohamed Salah coming off the bench. This team has depth, and it's why they're pushing for the quadruple. And what I, what I really like even more about Liverpool is look at where some of the players are coming from. Fabinho playing in the South American qualifier, smashing in the second penalty or the penalty kick for the second goal. There's a, there's a feel good atmosphere at Anfield and the city of Liverpool, the red side, at least. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Des Norris is letting me know that Diogo Jota is 5'10". <laughs> like I, I thought he was smaller than that. Now I feel like uh, I, I need to apologize, Diogo Jota. I'm sorry. It's just because every time you stand next to Virgil Van Dyke or something in a corner, I don't know how, you know, how you could not be any smaller. But apologies, Diogo Jota. But to Michael Lahoud's point, 
you know, international duty. They took care of business. Portugal had to do a lot, actually, regardless of competition. During the, and also this game was the early kickoff, but Liverpool ended up winning against Watford 2-0. They had 20 shots, 74% possession. Liverpool's looking good. I'm going to agree with you, Michael. I'm going to give them an A. Benfica looked a little bit shaky in that game against Braga. I, I'm not an expert on Portuguese football, but now that you're facing Liverpool, I feel it's going to be a tough one for you. So you, I'm imagining a very early prediction here, Michael, that Liverpool will take full points in, in this first leg. Yeah, I've, I've already got my um, Spotify cue to you'll never walk alone for Liverpool. <laughs> so I, I think they're going to do the job. All right. So uh, that's a Liverpool win for us uh, in that first game. But in the same day, as you mentioned, the Premier League title race is fun, fun, fun. It was the early kickoff for Liverpool. So they actually claimed top spot in the Premier League, but only for a few hours until Man City obviously took care of business against Burnley. Raheem Sterling looks a man revitalized these days. A very, very good in that game. Of course, I know that obviously Burnley uh, was is Burnley, but you know, with all respect, but Man City did look good. He's you tweet Man City three points, Liverpool three points, a point separate the two sides. They face each other next Sunday. That is right, everybody. That's going to be popcorn time. But they face Atleti, who demolished Alaves 4 1. Uh, Joao Felix to the double. Suarez Brace takes him to 16 straight seasons of hitting double digit goals in league play as well. And by the way, this was Diego Simeone's first game since the passing of his father, Carlos, uh, our, our thoughts are with you, Cholo. And there was a very moving tribute uh, from Atleti, from Wanda Metropolitano before the game. Cholo was in tears, of course. And I think that obviously was the other incentive, Michael, that helped Atleti win it up against Alaves. But how do you grade both these teams as they face each other on Tuesday? I'm going to give Atleti an A-. minus. They seem to be just getting hot at the right time. I think that the Champions League tie with United has boosted their confidence, beating a big English team and, and a big side and not one of the favorites, of course, but that's going to give you confidence in going right down the street to the Etihad. But you're not playing against Manchester United. You're playing against the, the reigning English champions and last year's Champions League runners up. What I like about that Leti is Luis Suarez is coming off the bench to score huge goals. Antoine Griezmann and Jao Felix. Jao Felix has been a man reborn since the start of 2022, and he just cannot stop scoring. And just they, different strike partnerships pose different threats. And I, I think just that flexibility up top, playing two strikers, they played a 4-4-2 as of late, but they can play so many different formations. The mm. fact that they start the first leg at the Etihad, if they can get, or the I still call it the Etihad, the City of Manchester Stadium, whatever it's called, whatever sponsorship, <laughs> call it different names, but if they can get a goal, in that first leg, oh, I definitely have to tip the tide in their favor. But Pep and City, they're on a roll. <laughs> they just keep doing the biz. Yeah, they're on a roll. They won 2 nothing against Burnley. The two goals came in the first half. So everything else after that, they just put an automatic and obviously just eased their way through it. I mean, the lineup was very rotated as well. So Pep was obviously thinking about this game specifically. The trio was with Phil Foden. Jack Grealish and Raheem Sterling. Of course, I'm imagining that will be a little bit different when they face Atleti, but it's going to be very difficult, as you mentioned, Michael, for Atleti to do anything against uh, this very strong Manchester City side. I give uh, I give both of them an A as well, just uh, in, in the manner of how they won the weekend. But 
Michael, I think it's going to be a little bit too much for Atleti in this first leg. I'm going to give it a Man City win. I'm not even giving, unfortunately, Atleti a goal. is too much at home. Oh. It could be, I think it could be a tough one for them, but I'm just going to stick with two nothing. What do you think? Mm, I, I'm, oh, man, I, I want to say that, but there's just too many individual moments of brilliance that are waiting to be had for Atleti, Atletico Madrid in the form of a Griezmann, of a Correa, of a Luis Suarez, who yeah. he just has a flair for just these big games and the big and he's moments. Very familiar with facing Man City, of course. Oh so, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it, it, I definitely see a City win, but I'm just feeling an Atletico Madrid goal somewhere in the midst. And this is where, if there are away goals still a part of the Champions League, then it could be a trap game for Manchester City. But no away goals. It changes the dynamic because I think Atleti would come in and just try and play for that one away goal. But obviously, that's not part of the equation anymore. Yeah, there's going to be a preview for this, uh, by the way, as we mentioned on Monday. But it's going to be very intriguing to see how Diego Simeone approaches this one. Because if you try and do the Mike Tyson quote of everybody has a plan until you punch him in the face with Man City, you try and punch him in the face, you might get caught out yourself. And if you sit... You're just waiting for the inevitable. So what do you do? So it'll be very intriguing to see how this game goes. All right, let's move on here for uh, the other games uh, on Wednesday in the Champions League as we do our uh, grading reports, our Champions League report. Villarreal against Bayern Munich. Uh, obviously, on paper, difficult for Villarreal, although they got here on great merit after beating Juventus, of course. But, um, you know, close to full strength, Michael LaHood. Uh El Submarino Amarillo, the yellow submarine, loses 2-0 to rock-bottom Levante, by the way. So that it's alarming. Maybe it's an international break hangover. Who knows? But Bayern Munich looks like they're back on form. They st uh, steamroll over Freiburg 4-1 as uh, second-place Dortmund, by the way, full nine points adrift. So it looks like Bayern are back to usual. And it might just be, I mean, they're gonna Villarreal's gonna have to rely on that home advantage. How do you think how do you see this one and give me your grades? For Villarreal, I was so excited to see the performance they put in against Juventus, and it was a heroic performance. And as soon as that final whistle blew, I thought to myself, Unai Emery, book your vacations in the Champions League now. Get your bottle of sangria, start sipping, because there's no way that they're gonna do the business against Bayern. No way. Mia Sanmia. Not even in this first leg. You don't see anything. I, I think they're going to try and frustrate Bayern as much as possible. I, I think what we'll probably see is Bayern won't score three goals. Mm. But <laughs> Bayern Munich is too good because Bayern Munich, look at the players they can bring off the bench. A lot of these players would be regular starters or contributors or main contributors for other Champions League teams. Maybe not yeah. Manchester City and some of the bigger teams, but there's too much depth too much dynamic movement, too many dynamic players, and just th they can literally play three in the back if they really want to push the tempo. I think Leon Goretzka coming back from injury and and really putting a solid performance immediately against Freiburg, that, I think he's going to be a difference maker for them as this Champions League tie unfolds. Yeah, I will say in that Freiburg game, I mean, it, I, honestly, and yeah, I know that it was 4-1, et cetera, but it all kind of happened in the last 21, 22 minutes of the game. It's not like Bayern dominated from minute one. So there is something that Villarreal can take from that. But to your point, there's just too many weapons for Bayern Munich. There's just too much. And when they're all clicking in the right direction, it might just be too much. I'm a big fan of Villarreal, but uh, this humble 
small proud club might just it might just be too much but if you can keep it tight in the first leg we'll see so i'll grade Villarreal. unfortunately Villarreal, due to this loss i'm gonna give you a you know just just about a c minus i mean Mm. it really should be a fail here to be honest (laughs) and Bayern munich nice and easy with another a what do you what do you think yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit more positive because I think Unai Emery and this team have their eyes solely on Champions League in La Liga. They're not really playing for much. Right. European competition is is where their bread is buttered this season. And I think winning that game against Juventus and progressing, it shifted their plans quite a bit because I think if they lose that, they get time to settle and say, OK, let's do our city and our, our club proud in La Liga. So I'm going to give them a C plus just because Ooh. i'm still feeling the good vibes from that uv i mean three nil interim i wish i had you in high school as my english teacher that would <laughs> mean that, that would have been a nice little grade on my stuff that's good. <laughs> all right three one all right okay we'll take it all right but overall we see Bayern munich overtaking Villarreal, right yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. all right well let's end it with uh i mean talk of surprises uh michael Lahoud. chelsea against real madrid first of all okay very early on just straight away what happened there? What did we learn from that loss to Brentford? Amazing. At Stamford Bridge, by the way. We're learning that the debacle and, and really the, the pressure and all the outside distractions are starting to show their cracks in this Chelsea team. I look at some of the players and their attitude and really their body language. They look shell-shocked. Mm. Brentford outran them, outworked them, outplayed them, and obviously outscored them. And, and really, just I want to give a big round of applause, just golf clap to Christian Eriksen. The comeback story just keeps getting better and better and better. And it was what a heck an of unbelievable a uh, last week and a half. Oh, huh? He he my. he returns to the Danish national team, captains his side. He scores three goals and an assist in four matches for Christian Eriksen. Un- what a, to your point, my friend, an unbelievable return. Carry on, absolutely. And you got to go yeah. in this one. Yeah, and and the, the the one player for Chelsea, who I mean, we cannot talk about Chelsea without talking about the K- Golasso. Talk about K Golasso, <laughs> K Golasso <laughs> from Antonio Rudiger. Unbelievable! Are you kidding me? A little deflection, or do you, or it was a straight through. You, I thought I, I thought I saw a little know, deflection. I recently found out Antonio Rudiger is his family's from Sierra Leone. And oh, so, sorry. Just, oh, just he's already, that he's already never, on your side then. Oh, my gosh. So it was never a deflection just because of that sole fact. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, he, no. he got the opener in the first half. It was actually 1-0 at halftime. Yeah. And you thought, well, Chelsea's going to get this one and sit back. But all the goals yeah. from Brentford came in the second. But, yes, a great opener from Rudiger. But after that, uh, you know, Vitaly Janel, by the way, was fantastic. Uh, got yeah. a goal in the 50s and 60th minute. Ericsson, of course, and then uh, Johan Wiesa got it in the 87th. It's a really great performance from Brentford. Amazing. And I think the mentality. When you're playing the likes of Real Madrid, it is mm-hmm. so easy to look past your opponent, especially when you get an opening goal like that from Antonio Rudiger. I felt like Chelsea was waiting for Brentford to be shell-shocked and then keel over, yeah. as a lot of opponents typically would. But when you have an amazing story and a team ethos like Brentford showed in the second half, you cannot afford to, to do that. And I think Chelsea came out with the wrong mentality and were rightfully punished. Absolutely. And by the way, regarding the off the field uh, situations that Michael was alluding to regarding Chelsea, obviously uh, who will own Chelsea uh, continues to, you know, overshadow everything of course. And uh, the Ricketts family's controversial bid for Chelsea 
still has obviously government concern as well. There were protests and stuff. So there's a lot going on from a Chelsea perspective. But Real Madrid, uh, meanwhile, a win against uh, Salta Vigo in controversial circumstances, by the way, because there were three penalties awarded. It was almost like, I mean, Yago Aspas uh, said at the end, and he was like, uh, he was just fuming. Just uh, just saying, basically, it was like the ref wanted, they just were looking for an excuse over and over to, to give Real Madrid this game. But uh, three penalties awarded, including a very soft one, uh, which was actually Kareem Benzema's winner. Uh, so, you know, it was a win for Real Madrid, but in, in a very interesting way. And now they're facing a Chelsea side that's probably a bit angry as well. And by the way, Des Norris, our producer, reminds us as well that Thomas Tuchel, as well as dealing with a lot of personal things as well. Obviously, you know, we don't know and we don't want to go on about it or speculate, but apparently reports, you know, that he's in the middle of a divorce as well. So there's like, there's a lot going on and, you know, it's going to be tough. But how do you see this one then specifically? Because I've been saying that I think Real Madrid's experience and just everything that's going on with Chelsea would just be too much for them. What do you think? Yeah. I agree with that. I, I think that PSG match, I know I bet against Real Madrid, against Mbappe, Messi, Neymar. I've learned my lesson. I will not do that again in this tie, especially with an experienced manager like Carlo Ancelotti. Carlo Ancelotti, as much as he's a great tactician, he's a player's coach. Look at what he's been able to do with the likes of a Karim Benzema. He is Real Madrid, but also the young players. Rodrigo, think of... Asensio, I think of so many of these young players are now stepping up to the plates, taking the mantle and really leading this Madrid team under Kareem Benzema. And for the penalty kicks, I agree with you. Very soft penalty kick call on Mendy. I think the defender was trying to pull his feet out. And I think Mendy just bowled over and it was more clumsy on Mendy's part than anything. And for, I think it was Celta, they had an Iago Aspas goal called off. And I, I don't agree with the referee's initial call on that. And those type of decisions, momentum shifts in the middle of a big match like that. But for Madrid, they're doing the business in La Liga. They have the best player in La Liga and one of the best strikers in the world and Kareem Benzema. And for a Chelsea team that just shipped four, they will be very, very, very fragile going up against Madrid. Well, and this uh, Gareth Bell drama continues, by the way, because in that game, uh, Gareth Bell and Mariano left the dressing room late as the second half started so they couldn't cross the pitch so they had to go all the way around and stuff it just it wasn't good optics <laughs> especially after everything that's been going on uh but uh, th that might be an issue who knows but to your point Real Madrid Karim Benzema you know that they'll definitely be a tough test for the defending champions of the Champions League by the way all right we're going to take a break when we come back some Premier League recap action including Tottenham who are loving it these days, of course, as they thrash Newcastle and some other uh, results as well uh, from the United Kingdom as uh, Rangers uh, and Celtic, by the way, Celtic win that one. And Barcelona, it's that man Pedri again. He's an absolute magician, probably my favorite player right now. I absolutely adore him. Michael Lahoud, LME, Kego Lasso Weekend Recap will be right back. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Welcome back, everybody. Kigo Lasso Weekend Recap. Michael LaHood in the house. Michael Austin FC today, so it's always good to have you in the Weekend Recap. Uh, did you, was it a good weekend for Austin? It was a so-so weekend for Austin. It drew 2-2 against San Jose last night. They're up 2-0. First 60 minutes were incredible. Dynamite had full control. It's just those road woes that continue, but they'll get it right. Big month ahead for them, though, in April. I love it. I love it, my friend. And we'll continue, obviously, discussing MLS as the season continues. But let's go back to the Premier League, everybody. West Ham and Everton. West Ham win 2-1. By the way, this is part of our little roundup regarding London's fight for fourth place because we talked already <laughs> Chelsea. There's Tottenham, of course, West Ham and Arsenal as well. So it should be very intriguing. But uh, David Moyles buys uh, more misery on his former club as well. Michael Keane, my God, a shadow of his former self, makes it three games in a row of Everton seeing a red card as well. And Frank Lampard now has lost seven of 11. All of them, all the five uh, away games as well as the Everton boss, by the way. Uh, it's not good for him, though. I believe that they might just be okay just because there's worse teams than them in the <laughs> Premier League. But... Uh, you know, there's a Wednesday six-pointer at Turf Moor, by the way, because it's a midterm action as well uh, coming up. But West Ham win 2-1 against Everton. West Ham, man. I mean, Jared Barn came back. Everything looking good so far. How good is Declan Rice, Michael? Oh, he's becoming one of the best defensive midfielders. And there's different types of in the players world. in that position. Yeah, there, There's deep-line playmakers that you see as a Jorginho for Chelsea. Yeah. But in terms of defensive midfielders, he's becoming one of the best in the world, like you said. He and said, I, by the way, David Moyes said, just to interrupt you for a second, he was like, you know, obviously there's going to be a lot of interest for Declan Rice. Uh, you're Manchester United. I know obviously there's a lot of clubs that really want him, but he's like 100 million. <laughs> At least he's going to be like, you better get the money right because he's not going anywhere. So Declan Rice, very, very good player. Do you see him staying at West Ham? Depends if they get Champions League, right? Yeah, I think if they get Champions League, why would you leave? You're the captain of your boyhood club that you came through the system, your team is on the ascendancy, and you have quality young players playing on different national teams, and especially a core of English players. And, and Jared Bowen, at what point? Tremendous. If we're talking Qatar. Yeah, he probably has to play. Yeah, he has to. The, his the name team has is, to be in the mix. I agree with Gary Neville, though. Um, and there's Frank Lampard, by the way, not looking good. Seven losses in 11 matches under Frank Lampard. I'm sure, listen, because um, I'm not going to talk about 
not much about Villa, everybody. All right. So don't even don't even think about it. OK, but th- there is a, a sentiment to the same thing here. Maybe Lampard just needs a full preseason. We'll see how it goes. It's just I haven't been proven yet uh, to what he can do, but it's not good for Everton. But back to what you were saying, Michael LaHood. This is the best. I agree with Gary Neville. This is the most talented England side since 1966 entering a World Cup. Um, Jared Bowen is, is knocking at the door. Absolutely. And the one thing that he has that other midfielders in this England team don't is he's getting goals from midfield. Mm. For England in the middle of the park, it's side to side. And Declan Rice is elevating his game. Calvin Phillips, who started in the middle of the park, pedestrian. There's a lot of, I mean, we, he's wearing trash bags for shoes. I saw a picture after the match. I mean, his head, his head is in a different stratosphere. I know he's been linked to a bunch of big moves. Leads yeah. have been up and down so far this season, injury woes from the euros, etc. but goals from midfield, whenever you have a, a midfielder that is of your country, you ha- that you, you cannot take that for granted. And that's something for England in a world cup. That is a luxury that, that that changes games that that wins you big games yeah and he wins free kicks like the one he won today when uh, aaron cresswell with a beautiful uh set piece but he wins things outside of the box which is very important and to your point when you can now be central and not just wide you become a dangerous side indeed but back to the race for fourth in london tottenham by the way Mm. my goodness uh they saw that west ham win and conte was like nah nah we're taking care (laughs) of business here and business they did five one against Newcastle. Doherty, Emerson, uh, the wingbacks were doing the business uh, for Antonio yep. Conte. And Dejan Kulusevski, uh, Michael LaHood, five assists now in 2022. One of the best January signings of the season? The best January the best. signing of wow. the season in the Premier League, yeah. for sure. Just, it takes the pressure off Harry Kane and San Yun-Ming to create just for mm-hmm. themselves. And now there's a third dimension. His running in behind, it's so underappreciated to the naked eye. He's a constant workhorse, and he works on both sides of the ball. He's a team player first and foremost. And some of the games that I've watched him play, when he gets to the byline, in, in the modern football, you, you have attacking players that when they get to the byline, they don't know how to cross the ball, or, or they don't look to cross. His first thought is, where's my teammates? He picks his head up, and he's looking for Harry Kane. He's looking for, for Son. Which, which was exactly what happened today. That great ball for human son. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They th- these are two players that thrive off service. And now with those front three, Hoiberg and Bentecourt, they can hold down the fort. And and before the criticism of Spurs was where's the attacking force in the middle of the park that it was too much of Hoiberg and not enough presence in there. But now you have two ball winning midfielders who can control and dictate the tempo. And you just say, hey, front three outside backs win us the game yeah well if we look at that table by the way we weren't kidding when it's a real race for that fourth spot uh chelsea in third they have a game in hand over tottenham uh, uh but they have 59 points tottenham have 54 points so do arsenal with 54 they play on monday and they have uh they've only played 28 games so they have uh, two games in hand on tottenham and one on chelsea and west Ham. well they have three games in hand on West Ham, we're in sixth with 51 points. So I think it might just be a little too tough for West Ham, Michael LaHood. So I have a call to action and I'll ask you, what do you think, everybody? Who's getting that fourth spot? Do you think maybe that Tottenham 
uh, and Arsenal can make a pact and just remove Chelsea from this top four and maybe do everything they can. Because, you know, I'm not too sure now on, on, on how Chelsea will continue this demise. In fact, this is what happened last season. At the very end of last season, they were really scraping to get that fourth. Right now, not as terrible, but you never know. But Arsenal, they face Crystal Palace on Monday and they are clicking. And you would imagine that they would be the favorites regarded, regard, uh, regarding that fourth spot, despite the fact that Tottenham has it, Michael. What do, how do you see it? I, I agree. I, I think the way Arsenal are playing, the youthful exuberance, Bakayo Saka is, is amazing. And I know against Villa, they took a lot of flack for asking for protection. Protect this man. He's a good footballer. But what, what I like about them is you see a different Alexander Lacazette. Mm. This is more of the Lacazette that that played at Lyon. He's the captain. And for some players, when you give them responsibility over a young group of players, they rise to the challenge and they become leaders and their game elevates. And I remember watching him at Lyon when this is the same Lyon that he came through their system. And then he's now the, the elder statesman and the captain. His link-up play, being able to bring other players in, being able to bring wingers, Martinelli, Saka, Saka, it's part of what he does, and then he's also finding the score sheet again. Arsenal look very dangerous, but you can't count out Spurs, Harry Kane, Sonia and Ming. Jeez, that's a lot of goals, and they're getting hot at the right time. Yeah, and you mentioned Kulusevsky, of course, uh, who's going to be part of that. Obviously, the strength of schedule and how difficult it is will be a factor. Liverpool still have to face Tottenham as well in that one. And then when I just look over at Chelsea's fixtures as well, they have to face Arsenal. They have to face West Ham, Manchester United as well. Uh, and then from, if I just look here to Arsenal's fixture list, they got to face United, Chelsea, as we mentioned, of course, West Ham as well. Uh, and then everything else, Everton, Newcastle, Leeds United could be doable. It's going to be tricky to see who gets it. So who do you think, everybody? Who do you think gets that fourth spot? I'm sticking with Arsenal. As you mentioned, they're just clicking in every way. I mean, Mikel Arteta and Pep Guardiola have been the only managers that have won manager of the season twice, manager of the month twice. Mikel Arteta, the reason one. And you have them clicking in form. Ian Wright said the same thing about Alexander Lacazette. He brings people in. He now can go deep. He's a connector, et cetera. He can rely next to Martin Odegaard as well. He's very good like that. Emil Smith-Rowe, of course. But Ian Wright wants to see more goals from him. So we'll see how it does against Crystal Palace and a former Arsenal and legend Patrick Vieira. So that should be a good one. But what do you think, everybody? Who's going to take that fourth spot? All right. Any other thoughts from the Premier League Michael LaHood, maybe Des Norris shows up that table one last time. But anything that you wanted to mention before we move on from the Premier League? We're nearly done, everybody. Wrapping up here. Final thoughts on the Premier League, Michael. Ah, you know, United. I, I dare ask you about your United. I, I, I was I was hoping you would ask and dreaded that you would ask. <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I have a meeting with my therapist every Tuesday now because and I, I almost double booked him just for Tuesday alone. <laughs> After Saturday's match, and I'm rambling, which means that he's told me that I'm angry at Manchester United, Luis. I'm angry. No what's, Ronaldo. What's going on? What happened then? What happened? Because uh, clearly, I mean, once again, huh? I mean, uh, some people were criticizing Rafael Varane as well in that one. How do you see that game? Ah, uh, so let's start on the bench. Marcus Rashford is in trouble. Yeah, his confidence is shattered. I, when I when I saw the lineup, I thought, okay, no Ronaldo. Okay, we can manage. It's Leicester. We can manage. And I saw Bruno Fernandez as a false nine. 
you have a striker on the bench and you you choose to keep him on the bench in Marcus Rashford. A few seasons ago, this was a Marcus Rashford that was one of the we were talking world class. Yeah. The the the, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Could An be, England starter. England yeah. starter. Yeah. And just his confidence is shattered. I, I think internally with the club, the Bruno Fernandez contract. Do I rate Bruno Fernandez? Absolutely. He he is the best player that, that we the are timing, has huh? Right now. Yeah. Horrific timing. You give a player a four-year contract extension to 2027, and yet you don't even have a manager, a new manager locked in yet? Yeah, it's silly. What if the new manager does not appreciate Bruno Fernandes, or at some point, what if he has different plans, or he's already been in talks with it? It doesn't suit his system or whatever, yeah. Yeah. It it is just one decision after another that they can't can't help themselves. And, And it all was summed up in very last touch, Marcus Rashford, great touch, silky smooth feet, and I thought, oh boy, here we go. I, you know, I was sitting there, was about to had the glory, glory Man United, and my, my neighbors in in the hotel I was staying at up in Austin, I, I was about to call them and say sorry ahead of time for the <laughs> screaming on the goal, and just the everything's building up, and it was him and Alanga, they kick each other, and that's how the game ends. And oh, my neighbors heard me all right. And it wasn't <laughs> Glory Gore, Man United. It's something I can't say on this show. <laughs> Safe to say, I'm not happy. I've given up all hope of top four. Top four gone. And now I'm just worried about Europe. Yeah. I, I, I just top four, it. forget it. But Europe is oh. now a, a, an issue because the, you have the same points as West Ham. Uh, but uh, you have a game on West Ham. So that there's an advantage there. But things need to be picked up for sure. And obviously, it will depend as well on what happens at the end of the season. And then in the end, uh, the manager that you get in the summer. And well, let's just hope you don't watch any more United games in hotels, Michael LaHood. We want you to stay in hotels. You yeah, my, my, my therapist tells me to avoid it for the next couple months. So <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm actually going to listen this time. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, listen, I told you I wasn't going to talk. Look, I'm just, Villa fans, I'm just going to tell you this. Stop freaking out about Steven Gerrard. It's going to be fine. We need a full preseason with him. No, I was not happy with that loss. The first 45 minutes was abysmal. I hated every single second of it. I don't agree with some of the things uh, that he said at the end when he was sort of kind of thinking that it was just a personnel issue. I think there were a few things that I didn't like, but he arrived in mid-November, everybody. He needs more time. We need patience. A top half finish, if we can do it, because we, you know, we are still in the top half. We're 10th. If we finish in the top 10, I'm fine with that. And then let's get a full season to get the players and the other additional personnel that he wants. That's it. Stop freaking out. Go do something else. Put the phone down. Go take a walk in the park. My goodness. All right. Let's move on here, everybody. Um, Let's talk about, by the way, Rangers Celtic. Mm. Oh, the old Ferrandari, by the way, which, by the way, you were able to watch on Paramount Plus. Celtic 2-1. Ramsey opened the scoring. And by the way, an American uh, got this one. Michael LaHood, did you watch the game? I watched the game. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't wit- I wouldn't miss that match for anything. Mind you, Celtic, for all the glory, European glory that Rangers are having under Giovanni Van Brockhorst, yeah. it's Celtic who do the double over Rangers. The first meeting, Celtic won 3-0. Thrashed him. Thrashed him at home. This one, they go down, and it's Aaron Ramsey who gets the early goal. It was a beautiful goal, and it's Kent. I love Kent. His speed, his movement as a winger, it, it's yeah, amazing. He'll get a big player. move eventually if he keeps this up. And then Aaron Ramsey just winding back the clock as he did at Arsenal. 
right place at the right time and a left-footed finish, first-time finish, and you thought it was all Rangers and just Tom Rogic. Only four <laughs> minutes almost, later, right? Almost yeah. apologetic finish <laughs> when you put it in because, you, you know, you can't celebrate too hard when you have history there. But just immediate response, not even three minutes after, immediate response. And I think that goal, it made Rangers think a bit like, ah, crap, this is actual game, which isn't always a game. And the tackles start flying. But it was it was impressive display from Celtic. I thought they weathered Rangers storm. And really for Rangers, now you're six points off the pace. And it makes you start thinking, okay, do we wait for Celtic to drop a point? Do we just put our all our eggs in the Europa League? If I'm Rangers, go for the Europa League. Why yeah, not? It's a trophy you haven't won. And I mean, just go for it. Yeah, and don't forget, it was an American Cameron Carter-Vickers that got the winner in the 42nd minute in that one, by the way. And uh, as uh, Michael alluded to, uh, a big win for Celtic, and it's the double in the Scottish Premiership over their bitter rivals, Rangers. Uh, all right, very final thoughts. Just two games to just uh, contemplate. By the way, PSG did their thing against Lorient. I don't even want to go too deep into this one, Michael. I mean... Yeah. Expected a Neymar, Mbappé, and Messi. They all score in the same game for the first time, by the way. But Ultra is still not happy, and rightly so, I think, uh, to be honest with you. It's less to do with the wins. It's more about the identity, whatever. Um, but uh, the other game, Barcelona win one nothing against Sevilla in a very tightly contested game, a very big game in La Liga. And Xavi Magic continues, but more importantly, by the way, and that's six straight wins in La Liga for Xavi, everybody. But Michael Lahoud. Mm. I got to tell you, man, uh, listen, Pedri is amazing. He yep. is magic. He's my favorite player right now in the game. Mm. Wow. Yes, he, he is just art. He is art. He's sending more people to the floor than a wedding DJ when he puts them on stop believing. I don't know if you saw like a few games ago. He did it. I believe it was against Galatasaray. Yep. He sent like seven people on the floor with his fakes. Then he does the magic as well. He plays really well um, in the Clásico. And then international duty as well. He's delivering for Luis Enrique. And then once again, he returns from action and scores an absolute beauty against Sevilla. I love Pedri so much. Uh, talk to me about Barcelona and PSG if you want to, Michael LaHood. But Pedri, this is the Pedri magic hour. I love you. Te quiero, Pedri. I want to meet you, brother. You're so good. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I will keep PSG on the back burner. I'll come back to them because I want to keep the, the feel-good vibes. I need it after the, the United match. I just want to focus on positive things really quick. This is a massive win for Barcelona. Huge. There's, because they're Barcelona, they don't want to concede any title hopes to Real Madrid. I understand that. But if you look at the La Liga table, you're playing against a direct contender for that second spot in Sevilla. And Sevilla, they've, they've kind of lost their way a bit since crashing out of the Europa League. And this was a game where Sevilla were going for a point. They set up their stalls and they defended and we're going to try and outlast Barcelona. And they frustrated Barcelona for quite a bit. Barca were knocking at the door and, and just were a little bit off in the final action, the final pass, the final movement. But leave it to Pedri to come up with the goods. And, and, and for as much as Aubameyang is doing the business up top, Barcelona have always had midfielders who score big goals. It's a tradition that comes from La Masia, and it's it's just embedded in their fabric of who they are and, and what's made them successful. And Xavi scored them, Andres Iniesta, 
And, and Pedri, he's such a special talent. There's a reason why he was one of the top players at the last Euros at just such a tender teenage age. And it's going to be it's going to be amazing to see him develop it and be on the world stage for the World Cup. But for Barcelona to continue to thrive, the goals just can't be on Aubameyang. I like that they're having midfielders score goals, and they're my favorite for the Europa League. When you have players getting in form like that, young players too, you can't not see them as a favorite. Barcelona are now second in the table now. 12 points behind Real Madrid with a game in hand, of course, but second in the table. That's really incredible uh, what Xavi has done. It's remarkable. And Pedri, Pedri the magician, uh, and to your point, all the other acquisitions that came in January. By the way, some breaking-ish news. Uh, Louis van Gaal has been uh, announced on Dutch TV that he has uh, prostate cancer, and this uh, hurts me to the core cancer a horrific disease, Michael, that has affected my family a lot. It's affected millions of families. And yeah. Louis van Gaal, apparently on reporting on Dutch TV that he has prostate cancer, our thoughts, our family thoughts here, Kego Lasso, go to Louis van Gaal and his family, of course. Uh, some sad news there. Uh, we wanted some positive advice, but we we had to just break that up from uh, Louis van Gaal. Yeah, that's, uh, cancer is something that's affected my family as well. And it's just, oh, my heart goes out to him and his family as they navigate the road ahead and hopefully... You know that medicine and everything can be there to to help as much as possible. And just in the vein, I told you I was going to come back to PSG. It the the good news is for these players, it's so difficult. There's so much expectation for three these three players to do so much that realistically, when you don't have an identity, this isn't the Harlem Globetrotters. That's what I think of when I think of PSG. It's like, okay, you three, here's a ball. There's only one ball, mind you, to share between these three players. Go win us every trophy in Europe. In the modern game, that's not going to happen. And as the season winds down, it's kind of the, the swan song. The adios, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Messi is definitely not going to Germany. And I think of, you know, killing Mbappe. These players, this is going to be one of the last times we see this three, this trio together. And it's a bummer that it's finishing this way. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my only uh, final thoughts uh, now as we wrap up, Michael, uh, I'll, I'll start first. My only final thoughts, by the way, Chicharito has just scored the opener for LA Galaxy. Uh, and it was a quintessential Chicharito goal inside the box. Beautiful stuff there. You got to select this man to the World Cup, Tata Martino. He's got to go. You have oh, to take him. He's got to yeah. go. Yeah, if you well, the, the thing with that is if you get him convinced and back in the fold, you also get members of the old band back together. Imagine the Mexico team with him, Carlos Vela, the Dos Santo brothers. Get the band back together, Tata. Convince them. Chicharito, I think, will be the key, and then everything else will fall into place. One hundred. <laughs> no, Tata doesn't want to beat Argentina. So that's not <laughs> a, a very good point there. <laughs> All right, Michael. Well, any final thoughts from you before we say goodbye, buddy? No, I'm I'm looking forward to an amazing week ahead. So much matches. Liverpool, City, those are two teams to keep an eye on. Two big Champions League matches. And then, of course, the big one in the Prem. These are two teams that are going to face each other twice in the span of six days. So love the beautiful game and just mouthwatering fixtures ahead. 
I love it, Michael LaHood. Thank you so much. Make sure to follow Michael LaHood at Mike LaHood on Twitter and social everywhere. This is Kegolazo Elamechegaray on Twitter as well. Follow us on Kegolazo Pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolazo. We got so much for you this coming week. Champions League, Champions League preview. Our uh, Monday mornings with Fabrizio Romano. We do Champions League recaps as well as weekend previews. So much more to come. Michael LaHood, LME, everybody here at Kegolazo. Have a great great rest of your Sunday and we will see you on Monday. Till then, have a good one. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.